Welcome to the Truth CSGO Podcast, episode 100. Today we're discussing the coach cheating scandal. Henry G leaves casting and becomes the GM of Cloud9. Steel leaves CSGO and a late take on ESL1 Cologne. We're also having a little chat with the mother of Renegade's player, Inns. I'm going to read some poetry, but most importantly, we are talking all things FaZe, Na'Vi, and the future with the one, the only, Guardian. Hey guys, this is Electro. Hey guys, I'm Guardian. This is Daps. This is Nico. This is Nifty. This is Chris J. This is Fair. Code Zero. Flusher. This is Kerrigan. Are you listening to the truth? The truth. The truth. The truth. The truth. The truth. The truth. CSGO podcast. The truth. CSGO podcast. The truth. CSGO podcast. Are we rushing in? Or are we going sneaky beaky like? <sighs> 100 episodes. Boys, we made it. Well done. Coming to you live from downtown Toronto on the 14th day of a two-week travelers quarantine. Things are a little stir-crazy here. This is the last proper episode of this podcast. There'll be a special episode on identity that I'm going to send to the Patreons first and will come out in the feed at some point. But for now, this is it. So suck it up, up through a straw. And there's so much news, but most of the people listening to this episode are going to be listening for Guardians. So rather than baiting you all out, let's go straight into that and then we'll talk everything else afterwards. But first, and this is not a paid sponsorship, but to thank him for coming on this podcast, jump onto getgear.com. It's Guardian's side hustle where he sells a bunch of sweet gaming gear, including Guardian branded hoodies and beanies. He's also got Navi and Ninjas in Pajamas and Pasha Biceps gear. They're currently only shipping to certain countries in the EU, but stay tuned because it looks like they'll be expanding soon. We have been giving away a Guardian hoodie to one of the Twitter followers, so listen until the end for the announcement of that winner. It's getgear.com, G-E-T-G-E-A-R.com. Anyway, long-time listeners of the pod will know I have been a hectic Guardian fanboy for a long time now. I mean, it's actually a little embarrassing, and I'm seeing a therapist for it. And I hope the interview isn't too fawning because of it. The man otherwise known as fucking Ladislav Sukakovic, holds the record for six years in a row on HLTV's top 20 players. He's the winner of ESL1 New York 2016, 2017, E-League 2017, and ECS Season 4, runner-up at the majors in Columbus and Boston, winner of IEM Sydney 2018, Belo Horizonte 2018, Epicenter 2018, and Blast Miami 2019. He's been benched on Na'Vi since January, and seeing his dip in form towards the end in phase and how his time in Na'Vi went was heartbreaking. If you've been following his Twitter recently too, you'll know some D-head just shot both his beloved cats with an air gun. I assume this was a disgruntled Navi fanboy. Said felines are in a stable condition after some nail-biting surgery, but for the greatest sniper to ever touch the game, the man needs a fucking break. So my greatest fear coming to this interview was that he would be considering his retirement. As we know, he famously said FaZe would be the team that he retired on. If that fear has also kept you up at nights, if that fear settled down upon you like an icy frost in the cold dawn of the recent player break, then listen on. I have been a little bit pipped to the post <laughs> with this news uh, by Deserto, but all will be revealed. Pretty quickly, actually. Guardian again versus four. This is unbelievable. There's a potential flank. The longer this goes on, the worse the situation. We've just got two plays once again. Guardian, what is going on? Rush with 5 HP, the Molotov could be everything. The last play was towards Ivy. Guardian looking for the ace. Oh! Here come the bodies as well, Guardian just put one down. Can he find a second? You better believe he can. Not another. Surely, Guardian, stop it, Guardian! Just down four, and the dream is real as he belts all five. Guardian is doing everything for Na'Vi that he has to. 
He will not let them go out of this game without giving everything he has. And Guardian finds one. He looks for oh, Guardian! That is a level of play coming in today, and Guardian means business, ladies and gents. Another near on winnable position. Flashbang goes in. Guardian legs him. Edward gets the one kill. But Guardian, he's trapped behind the box. He gets a shot. He goes for more. He's going to hit it on Dennis. And now it's Oliver. Guardian, oh, he gets a shot. Oh, my God. He picks up four kills and wins it. He can't play peekaboo with Guardian, bro. This is a done round. Guardian now is question as to whether he'll save DWP. Good flashbang. Could get a couple more out of this one. And oh. Fnatic are starting to crumble. What's going on? One player has found three kills. Guardian. Looking to ace this one out, but down the crimped. This was a five versus one map, and he's got time as well. How quickly does Guardian post up and realize where Crimson is going to be coming from, though? He knows he wasn't in B, so he's got to be toward bathroom. Surely Guardian looks that direction with it. Down in position, Crimson not looking yet, and Guardian oh just gosh. gets behind the box. That also means Crimson will get closer to the site by the stairs. Guardian will wait for this to go to time. Incendiary could be a factor because if he puts it in front of Guardian, how does he work back in? It's gone toward the dumpster. That means Guardian knows exactly where to look. Oh! He's got all five. There he is. The world's best sniper comes to life in the five versus one. That was maybe the only chance that Guardian comes back in. Oh, Guardian, he gets two. There's still more to go, though. Cowboy must pop the ball. The peaks come in, but Guardian will just the pistols to play with, they needed the kill, Guardian's got to make up for it. He's tapping in, but he can't find it. Fallen's on the defuse. Fallen is on the defuse. The lineup, he's still it's there. It's, it's done. done. He doesn't have the ammo. He doesn't have the ammo. He's all oh! Guardian! It stays to the final, and Guardian is an absolute god. Thank you so much. I'm so sorry about yesterday. <laughs> no problem. I think it was just a little miscommunication. <laughs> no, it was my fault. I had broke. I had Bratislava time in my head. It's okay. It happens. Yeah, no worries. We are humans. We do mistakes. That's the message of this podcast, actually. <laughs> How are you going? Uh, I'm. I think everything is fine. I mean, I'm a little bit bored with no team, but I mean, I'm getting there. Hopefully soon. You've been grinding some serious face it. Yeah, I'm. I'm trying to play as much as I can. I mean, I'm not done yet with the series, so you know. Fuck yeah. What I like to hear. <laughs> yeah. We spoke three years ago at I am Sydney, or two years ago, I am Sydney. I told you you were my favorite player of all time. I'm sure you've done a lot of interviews since then. <laughs> uh, it's been a can, long time. Yeah. 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 This first, that first interview we did, uh, you had just been named the MVP of I am Sydney. Um, and you guys had smashed Astralis in the final. And back then we spoke about your ace against Fnatic at Katowice, where Henry called you the best sniper in the world. And looking back at that, that moment, I remember when you guys were pushing but, uh, Monster in, on uh, Overpass there, and it didn't seem like a great call, and yet you kind of pulled that, play out of the bag and shortly after that flusher did that flank on train and for me that moment was when phase kind of showed that you could really smash some tournaments but the biggest ones seemed like they were almost just a tiny bit out of reach and for some reason how do you feel about katavitse now uh 
I think Katowice felt even worse than, than the major final, losing major final against Cloud9 because that was the second final we lost. And, uh, you know, if you lose such big tournaments two in a row, basically we haven't had anything between. So it was major and then Katowice final. It was really bad. And I think the reason why we lost also the Katowice was almost the same reason as we lost uh, the major final. Is because we were impatient. We wanted to win too much, too heavy, and uh, bad decisions, bad communication happened, and that's how we get how we got punished there. And it 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 was, as I said, painful. And how I look at it now is is that we were really stupid. We were a young team, and we did stupid mistakes that uh, experienced team wouldn't have done, and. I'm sure if we would be playing now the final in the same lineup, I think we we would win the game for sure. I find it too traumatic to go back and watch the Boston final or Katowice. And Katowice, I guess I, I'm with you because it did feel like yet another team at the very end came out that kind of wasn't supposed to win it. Like Cloud9 was a dark horse, Fnatic was a dark horse. You guys had had that insane run with New York, E-League and ECS. And it was like nothing could stop you. And something you said there where you kind of wanted to win too much. I've been thinking about that and I had a question about that because I don't know if you've got, heard of this guy called um, Eckhart Tolle. I'm not sure about that. He's a he's a, an author who's famous for his book called The Power of Now, but recently he's been talking a lot about competitive spirit. And if you want to win something too much, it can sometimes get in the way of your focus. Yeah. That to me was what, I felt like when I was watching Nico and sometimes when I watch Simple too, I see them getting in their own way in some ways because they, they're like already at the point where they're wanting to win it and they're so focused on that they're not actually focused on the game. Is that is that a correct interpretation? Uh, yeah, I would say yes, but it's not only Nico or Simple. I think it's uh, a lot of, I, can, I think majority of players in, in CSGO, everyone is like that and especially the, you know, the lower tier teams, like let's say, like Mouseports is playing, for example, Australia in the final, and let's say they're winning 2-1 on the map, and it's best of five, and they can they can still lose it because they want it too much. I mean, it can be 14-5 on the on the forward map for Mouseports, but they can still lose it, and that's the reason because if you if you want something too much, you're you're getting unfocused. You 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 do moves that you wouldn't do normally because you you think you're much stronger than the other team and. And you do mistakes, and mistake by mistake, you you are losing your confidence as well. And uh, the same happened in, in major final for I would say for all of us because we we wanted to win too much in the Boston major final. I think the call, calls were not clear by anyone in the team. And for example, either either me or all of who are uh, we were really experienced playing major finals because I, I played two major finals before and all of won some major finals. We couldn't calm down the situation. So that was a big mistake by uh, by me and all of, I guess. We, we I think we should have taken a pause and just calmed down the situation because the situation in TeamSpeak, if we would have TeamSpeak, everyone would have understood why we lost. And, and I think all six people from that lineup we had in Faceland knows why we lost the final. And yeah, that's sad, but yeah, I agree with the with the thing you said. Well how do you get over that? Like is that preparation? Is that just really 
admitting that you want to win something and then just kind of moving on and doing the hard work? How, how do you avoid wanting to win something too much? I think it just comes by experience and, and getting older that you understand and take stuff different way as when you're young because when you're like 18, 19 years old, 20, you join a top team and you win one, two tournaments, let's say be like decent ones and then you understand you can you can win anything and then you come to a major final and you you understand that it's completely different from the other tournaments and then you want it even more because you believe you can easily win it and then you do more mistakes and yeah that's the that's the punch in the face that gives you the experience and and everything for the future tournaments and yeah, that's the only way I think. Just just getting punished. <laughs> you need to get punched in the face, basically. <laughs> yeah, we did. I'm 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 sure we did get the punch in the face, even though it was hard hard to recover from, and exactly that's why probably we we changed lineups or they changed the lineup. But yeah, I mean, I think I think there's no other way. I mean, I don't think a psychologist can help you get out of this situation or something like that. I think. It's it's the player itself who needs to understand. It's like with with young people or babies when when they do wrong thing and in, in you know you just say it needs to get punished and that it will understand to not do that. For example, putting a hand in like a fire or something, you know they will not do that again. So probably that's the that's the solution. That or I I don't know actually, but that's how I feel. So, so you said you know you've all grown up a bit. It's such a shame that the lineup broke up before you kind of could all learn those lessons together. Do you think if you got back together right now, you could go on another tear? I think if you get back together now, I think we could be a top team. I th- I think we could be a contender to win win the major again with some practice because mm. I think the lineup was really strong and I think the friendship was pretty good in the team as well. I think the I think it was, the team was very good, but some people think that changing lineups is the is the key to win, key to you know be the best, which mm. I think is wrong. If you if you take a look at Australis, how long they were top team in the same lineup, they didn't change. Even though they were they had the they had the period where they hadn't won anything or they were losing to almost anyone, and they still didn't change the lineup because I think they had the right mindset how the team should work and how what is CS about and you know that's you, what Zonic says you, in his book was his, was part yeah. of the mentality yeah yeah like if you if you look at the teams that are together for a long time you see how successful they are but if you look at teams that are constantly changing like where is face clan now with changing mm-hmm. so many players like you you can see you can see it on your, with your eyes that changing lineups is not the solution you are married i assume you're still married right I am. I am still married. Yeah. Oh, that's good. <laughs> well, you know, the solution isn't to just find a new partner. That's that's how you don't actually grow emotionally. You, when you've made that commitment and you work through the problems, that's how you actually become really strong. Exactly. Exactly. It's all about communication and and finding the the solution together and not behind the backs of the players or or beside. You know, having a team talk with, without them, like what what should be the solution. And stuff like that. I, I think I think the CS scene in in many teams is, I mean, CS in many teams is very immature. And I think people are in. I mean, players are immature a lot. They are not 
they don't have the balls to tell you in the face what's wrong or what what you should do or what you should you should change you know they just they just discuss directly the change i think that's wrong but that's how you cs is some players have too many you know too much power because they're they're good and they think but it's it's everywhere. Like you look at who, Moscow, who are we talking bend. about here, Ladislav? You, you gonna name some names? <laughs> no, I, I don't want to name anyone. Like I'm kidding. I'm it's kidding. it's it's in every team. It's it's in every team in the world. It's not like some players. Like in every single team, there is someone who the organization is like praising, and that player has more power than than sometimes the organization, and like he can force a change whatever he wants. Just talking about that wonderful tear you guys did go on. Um, you know, with New York E-League and ECS Season 4, it did feel like the honeymoon infatuation period where you meet someone and you fall in love and everything's absolutely rosy. Was that how it felt for you and the team? If if you look at the team when we got together, we completely got destroyed in the first tournament. In Malmo, yeah. And we decided, like, hey, we need to we need to sit down. That's the, that's the moment when we realized, like, we are a super strong team, but something is not working. And then I remember we went to a restaurant, sit down, and we discussed it for some hours, what we should do. And from that moment, we started working very hard on the team. And that's when we won New York and E-League. And, you know, there you can see that the communication and how you fix stuff after the lost tournament works. But we never done it before, like after that. When we won New York E-League, we have never done that. I saw that in an interview with Double Tap. You said you never did that sort of prep again. Why Why did that not happen again? I mean, the results were clear. I don't know. I, I honestly don't know why we haven't done something like that. I think something was missing in the team and maybe someone started losing hope. I don't know. It's, it's just really hard to say what happened then. Whose job was that? Wasn't that Carrigan's or Robin's job to push for that? In my, when, when Robin was in the team, I think it was their job. And of course, sometimes they pushed it, but the communication wasn't that clear. Like I remember in Malmo and I don't know. It's just hard to say what happened with the team in general. People don't really look kindly on the period where Neo came in and, and Adren and it felt a little bit like FaZe was sort of the kids who are sort of hoping an adult would come back into the room after Carrigan had left. Um, it's not meant to sound insulting. That was just, you know, we, yeah. we weren't privy to any of the conversations. Did did those those roster moves make a lot more sense to you guys at the time? Or was it sort of just in a desperate attempt to stop the whole roster from breaking up? I think for me it was stupid. Like I in the interview I said that the whole year when we played with Adam and Neo was just wasted space of time mm. and people misunderstood what I meant because they just look at it like I don't know, the wrong way. And what I meant is that it was complete waste of time because we haven't really had a like stable player for a long time. We haven't really practiced in like a real way. I mean we had some practices but you know if you change player we had actually three stand-ins. It was Exist, Neo, and Adren in like mm-hmm. one year, I think. How can you practice a lot, or how can you get good when you're exactly when you're basically traveling to every single tournament? We we I think we we didn't skip a single tournament in that year. And I mean, when are you supposed to practice and get good with a player? I think it was a waste of time that we never skipped the tournament. 
and we actually didn't take the time to practice for like a, maybe a full month without just events and stuff like that. So that was that was what I meant. It was a waste of time in this case, and it's such a shame because I think we could have be playing good with any of those players. Because if you look at uh, I am Sydney when we won with Exist, I mean, it was a good moment, but we never kept it for a long time. We just changed player again after like two turns. And actually, I just remember we had four standings because Chromen came for yeah a month or something, for two months. We played Cologne, I think, with him and, and Belo Horizon. We won Belo Horizon. Belo as well, yeah. Yeah, but you see, I mean, there were players that we could make it work with, but the team just wanted to change, and that's how we ended up. Yeah, I mean, more. <laughs> even when Exist came in, I was like, "This works," you know. Exist was lurking, and it, and he was and he was fine. And I thought even Adren, he didn't get much credit for it, but he was kind of filling in all the gaps. It seemed to me. Do you think that's the issue st- still with them now? I mean, this this current, we can move on from phase in a second. But do you think that? This the lineup they have right now will actually properly improve if they give it some time, or they still are looking for a really strong IGL. I think at the moment the lineup, I don't think it will work. I think it will be the same as every single lineup we had with the standing, or or they had with changing one player. Because, I mean, Nico is a. I think Nico is one of the best players. I I would even say he's the best player in the world if if he's not doing the in-game leading job. When he can focus on his own game, I think Nico is the best player in the world. But if he's going to keep in-game leading, I think that will go. It will be a downfall as well. And I think they should get a real dedicated in-game leader to just let Nico play his game. Because when Nico was playing his game, he was destroying anybody. We can see how how he destroyed Ely, how he destroyed New York back then, and other tournaments even not long time ago. But if he will be trying to be the in-game leader, I think that's that's the wrong choice, and I think they will keep changing players. Do you think there's actually an in-game leader in the pro scene who he would listen to? Uh, I I don't think he has problems uh, listening to the in-game leader. I don't think that's that's. Any I mean, who he would that. respect? Respect, you know. He respect. I as I said, he he listen. He would listen and respect anyone. He just. That he, I think he loses confidence in the call too fast, because you know, in the in the scene we don't have many experienced in game leaders. Everyone is young. If you look at Alexi B, he's young. Uh, I I don't know. KDN is pretty young, I think. And so like blame F from from complexity. They they are all young young in game leaders. You don't have really like you know older experienced. In-game leader, except like Glaive, who has won many majors with Australis. So it's it's hard because the young in-game leader needs to needs to grow, and it's hard to give him re- respect. And you know, it's it, it's really tough in the scene to find an in-game leader that that would be a perfect fit with all aspects of the game. Like I I can understand it from from one side, but I think. Young Indian leaders should get the chance to try and show themselves for longer time. Not only like you see, he's he would be in a team for a month and then you know to be kicked or something. I don't think Nico has any issues of listening or respecting someone. It just you know if if something is not going 
the team's way for a long time, then he starts doubting someone or something in the team. And then, yeah, I think the changes happen. I don't think that's completely wrong or anything. He just, he, he really wants to be the best. And I think he should go back to his old role to be the, the star player, not the in-game leader. And then the FaZe clan would be playing much better. Well, let's move on from FaZe. You, you leaving FaZe was... I also get PTSD thinking about it, um, especially because you'd said, you know, you were going to retire there. You know, then you went to Navi, which it was a surprise to those of us who'd seen, for instance, your reflections video with Thorin, where you said you'd only work again with Simple if he'd learned to listen to teammates and stuff. So going into that must have been interesting and also going into a team that had just had a new system with Blade and was still adjusting to Boomich. How was that? jumping in looking back at it now i think i did a mistake joining navi back then i thought it would be a good option for me but i think i should have taken some some break and join maybe new new team new built team or something like that but i was i was i was hoping and believing that things change in navi and uh, that would be a good option for me that i could recover and you know, show what inside me still. Uh, that didn't work out, and then how I got benched, I don't want to really talk about it. It was not the best way, but I will I will not talk about it, and I will keep it secret for myself until I retire, and maybe after that I will I'll say that. But all I'm I'm still not done. Whatever happened in Navi, whatever I did in Navi, was not good. I had not found my my forum back then but now i feel really good and i will keep pushing to join a team and and show everyone that the the move in now it was mistaken that i can still help some team to win tournaments as a fan like you could definitely i could definitely tell that every time the camera was on you it seemed like you were you it felt like you'd walked into this kind of trap and navi had said yeah come along and then had put this incredible amount of pressure on you. And you don't have to talk about this, obviously. From my point of view, it looked like it was something to do with the fact that you'd taken over Simple's role, but that's conjecture. But it, I did want to, like, if I was the cameraman at one of those events, I would have said to you, like, just blink, you know, if you're being held captive, <laughs> you know, if you want to yeah. escape. Um, yeah. But it did. it definitely did feel like, oh, my God, you really, like, he needs to take a break. Like, this is not this is like a worse situation than phase. Have you been able to take that break now? Like, have you, have you had the chance to sort of recuperate? I mean, I, I just, I will just quickly comment the two situations in phase and, and Navi, the phase situation, it happened because as I said, I didn't feel like the team is going anywhere because of the old changes. And I didn't feel like, like, why would I, why should I keep playing with the, like randoms? I don't mean in randoms like nobodies or something like that. Of course, they're all legends of the CS. But, I mean, you know, if you're coming to a team, you're still a random because you're not the part of the team still, and and the game is random. So I felt like, why should I practice individually when, when this is happening? We are changing every two months someone. Like I, I, I felt like everything is going so wrong and nobody's listening. Everyone is thinking that they know the best what we should do and that's why i didn't really practice in 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 phase anymore individually because i felt like it's it's slowly dying and something will happen 
and in in Navi it was complete opposite that I was trying to play too much, pressuring myself to to play good. And I think if you I would just play keep playing individually and just whatever happens happens feeling, then I would play much better. But uh, I couldn't do that because of some some things and that happened. So you were putting the pressure on yourself in Navi. No, it was it was I think from both sides or actually right. maybe three sides like organization the players the coach and every and, and myself i think it was just too much to handle for me so quickly after joining from phase so yeah i, I think yeah, that's why I, t- I feel like it was mistake joining joining navi that time yeah i should have just taken the break directly after phase be on the bench for like i don't know until end of the year try to you know relax play individually and then come back to the scene that would be the smartest one but you know we are humans we do mistakes bad decisions and we learn from them well let's talk about the future uh in a second um before we do let's talk about the last few weeks now when you won uh ESO won New York for the first time in 2016 and we're having a bit of a, a teary moment on stage yeah I think for me and for a lot of other people who'd sort of only recently either just gotten back into CSGO after playing 1.6 um, or had just got gotten into Counter-Strike for the first time, that was really the moment when you like really came onto our radar as an incredible player because it was the big 250k tournament, you know, the first one you guys had kind of won um, and then you didn't even let another team basically get to double digits a year later with FaZe at the same tournament. But a couple of weeks ago, you were playing with AD Ping and a mixed bunch with Dosha and Adren. Do you see yourself playing on the New York stage again next year with a proper team? I hope so. I really want to. And as I said, I want to to show everyone that I'm still I'm still not done. I can still carry some team, and I I can feel it that my form is is getting better and better every day because I'm grinding the CS a lot and. I mean, the age doesn't do, it uh, doesn't play any role in in CS:GO until you're, I don't know, maybe 35, and it's really changing. Like, look at the other sports; someone can play until his 40s, and nobody is flaming that he's old or something because he's still good. But I can still do that. I feel like I can still do that, and I want to do that, and I will do my best to to keep grinding and keep, I mean, try to join a team and destroy. ESL New York, for example. Well, let's let's talk about the future because you said um, back in our first interview that your father was a bit of an armchair coach and that he had a lot of opinions about your <laughs> career. <laughs> what does he think your next move should be? Uh, we we don't have this kind of talk anymore. I mean, he just likes to talk about the games, like what happened and stuff like that. But he, I don't really share my my situation. At the moment, so I just I'm just trying to figure it out, figure it out on my own, and that's how I will keep it probably. So he just rings you up and goes, "Did you see the Australis? You know, <laughs> the Australis game." He, he sometimes do, he sometimes do that. Yeah, he's like, "Yeah, I watch this game," and he just yeah. So we have this casual talk sometimes about games, and it's very nice that that the parent is is interested. In the game, not just because I played, but he he plays like he, he watch the games 
almost always mm-hmm. it's it's some kind of passion for him at so, these days so it's nice to see and I'm happy. You know what's what's weird? I was thinking about this yesterday when I was looking over these questions and in my mind I was like what team, you know, should Guardian be at right now? And probably the the best option I could think of was Mouse Sports. And then I was like, well no, couldn't be Mouse Sports because Woxix, you know, is such a strong orpa. And then I'm sure you saw he's been benched in the last 24 hours. Could you ever see yourself at Mouse Sports? Would you work for Carrigan again? Uh, why not? I I love Finn. He's a great person and everything. And if they if they would be asking me like if if I want to join or something, I would probably not hesitate to do that because it would give me the chance to prove myself quickly. And yeah, I I, I love to play with Finn. I think he's a good good I player, good leader. I think he he grown from the experiences we had in Facecan. I think he he became much better leader that believes in his cause. And as a player, he's playing pretty good. I mean, we play FPL and I can see he's playing good. And maybe he had the same issue as I had in Navi. And now he he's unblocking that problem, maybe. But I w- I would I would love to play with Finn again. I, I think. It could work pretty good. Is there a CIS team you you know you could you could see yourself playing for, or are you eyeing perhaps you know crossing a continent, going with an OG or an NV or someone like that? I would for sure not move to NA or anything like that. That's for sure. CIS, that's a hard question because the CIS mentality is completely different from the European one, and not sure I want to deal with that anymore. Not saying I wouldn't do it. I'm not saying I wouldn't do that, but for now, I would have to really think about it carefully if I get offer from some CS team. But I'm not saying I wouldn't join. I'm just saying it's it's just hard to to deal with CS mentality sometimes. They are too competitive and too emotional at the same time. So uh, I would have to think about it carefully. Mm-hmm. And European teams, if we talk about like I don't know, Mouseports, OG, maybe back to, back to Face Clan or something like that, if I get an, a chance to do that, I would probably not hesitate to do so. I know your wife is Norwegian. Can you speak yeah. Norwegian? I cannot. I get li- very little. Like I I know some some words or like 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 uh, little children's songs that I learned <laughs> because her nieces and I I know something, but it's not much. I mean, I can sometimes understand ketchup, like when she's talking to her father, or sister, or someone from the family. I can I can sometimes like, yeah, I know what they are, they're talking about, but that's it. Okay, so you wouldn't be joining anything like Nordavind anytime soon. No, no, <laughs> no. In an interview with Double Tap, actually, you said you wanted to be a healthier player in 2020. How's that going? That's going really awful. <laughs> Because I don't know, I just it's just really hard when you are like in situation which I am in at the moment. You just don't want to do anything because it's so so broken everything. I mean, I don't have a team, you know, and I'm trying to grind so much. It just doesn't work together. I would love to be like you know more healthier and everything, but it just uh, I don't have the motivation at the moment. But for sure, I want to do that in the future. How how are you staying motivated right now? What's in your mind in the future that that's keeping you going? 
what's keeping me going is because I haven't done. No, I I don't say I w- I wouldn't say I haven't done anything in sales, but I I've not done the things that I wanted. I haven't won the tournaments I wanted, which means I still need to win Cologne. I still need to win uh, Katowice, and I need to win a major. So there's plenty of stuff to do. So I kind of want to be somewhat like like No Tail was in in Dota that he got kicked from his boss teams and then he built a team and he became a two-time TI champion. I feel like I can do that with I'm just, I'm still not old enough to to give up on that and we'll see what what will happen but I want to be the the one who comes back and shows that I can win tournaments for the team. I think you can do it. Let let's say that you do have to build a team right now though cuz that could be fun. Who would you start with? Do you mean from any player in the world? Yeah, why not? Dream team. Okay, if I would have to play with one player that I would play any time, any day of the year, that would be Rain. That I think the best player I played with in in all aspects, like the mentality, how how he wants to win, how his personality is, and I I allow him as a friend, and he he's been the best person to me while playing CS:GO. Uh, then I would probably take Electronic to my team. I think he's the best player in in Navi for me. He's he's a very complete player in all aspects. He's very smart. He's he's not giving up. He's he's doing his best job in in Navi, what whatever he can. And then I would take Flasha because I think he's very smart and and a good player. If the good thing about taking Flasher as well is that he can't fuck you at finals. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's true. Maybe that's why I'm cho- choosing him. But no, but I think Flasher is a very smart and good player. One more. We need an IGL. IGL, I would probably. It's hard to say because I really have to say Zeus from Old Navi was a really good captain, in-game leader. So if I would take, like, if you could speak perfect English. I would take Zeus for sure because he has this aura of a true captain. Mm. But beside him, I would probably go. I have like three options. Like like Glaive is an awesome leader, I think. Not not sure. I never I I never heard of how he's calling or anything. But I I feel like the team is working, and he's the EM leader, so he must be good. Finn, of course, if he if he grown up. From the experiences we had in phase, and I'm sure he's a very good in-game leader. And I think Nexa must be good, as G2 is playing pretty good. That is a scary team, no matter who's at the helm there. Yeah. That's just a dream team. That yeah. is a dream team, yeah. <laughs> There's probably a bunch of people listening to this podcast, actually pretty much everyone, who's never going to be a pro in CSGO. Um, I think a lot of us are in our 30s. Never say never. <laughs> Never say never. Trust me, right? My rank says never. Uh, Valve <laughs> says never to me. And so some of them get in touch with me, wondering whether they should even be playing uh, Counter Strike at all. And I think there's a lot of value in it, in the same way that can be value for mastering chess or futsal. What have you learned about life from playing Counter Strike? I think uh, in the in Counter Strike, you learn how not to be overconfident, how to not to be cocky, because the karma hits you instantly. And I think many players from my team, from FaZe Clan, uh, knows that because it happened. 
I said something sometimes in like you know the the stage interview before the game. I said something and then we lost, and you know it just make made you see like made you made made you see everyone see saw you like an idiot because you said that and then you got wrecked. <laughs> so that's a life lesson to be humble. And when you are humble, most of the time everything works out good for you. So not do not be cocky and respect everyone against you or in your team because everyone is a human and everyone deserves some respect. So that's that's what I learned in, in CS I would say. Do you have anything do you want to say to the listeners? All I want to say uh, thank you to everyone who supports me, who who supports me that they know I'm I'm not giving up. I want to say I'm not giving up and I want to get back to the top top tier CS. And I want to show that I can still carry a team to to a championship championship title. So, yeah, thank you for support, and I will do my best to to not disappoint again. I'm gonna be crying when you when when you carry that team to the championship level. <laughs> yeah, I, I I I will I will I I really want to do that again. <sighs> what a legend. Now, there's so much news, 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 news. Let's talk news. Uh, This is why this podcast has been fairly delayed, actually, because there's been so much news. Turns out there'd been a bug around for a while that allowed coaches to exploit a cracked-out observer and get a godlike position somewhere on the map during a game. Several coaches have been discovered to have used this bug during the last few years. The first to be accused and punished by ESL were Meccano Gun, a.k.a. Zona, he was the coach of Hard Legion, Hunden on Heroic and Dead on MIBR. They've been given a 24-month, 12-month and a 6-month ban respectively and the teams have retroactively forfeited their placing and prize money from those tournaments. These were Road to Rio matches, but they weren't grand finals or anything. Uh, Gary from Furia, the coach of Furia, was then found to have used it on a map, but he then issued a fairly convincing video in his defense and has so far avoided punishment. Next to four was Ragen, uh, current coach of Mouse Sports, who used it on his former team Tricked. And he's now been suspended on Mouse Sports. Peter, coach of NIP, he confessed to using it a couple of times over the last few years on NIP. <clears throat> in his defense, he showed messages he'd sent to Valve trying to get their attention about it that went unanswered back in 2017. His punishment is pending. And finally, F1N, or Finn, I'm not sure how to pronounce that, from the uh, Gambit Youngsters squad, he confessed that he used it during a round and has been suspended by the team. The Esports Integrity Commission, who I thought before this was actually a toothless, unfunded organization, is making me realize I know nothing and is now going through 25,000 demos since 2016, so we may yet see other coaches come forward before the guillotine falls. I believe they've also issued a public, uh, how do we say, opportunity for coaches to own up to things before September 13, uh, before they out anybody. Now, I did mention back in episode 85 that I wouldn't be surprised to see a cheating scandal in the scene within a year. That was nine months ago in December. And I've said it before and I won't say it again. I'm a soothsayer. I like literally predict the future. And I didn't think the scandal would revolve around coaches, but my reasoning holds that the stakes are so high and the timelines for careers are so short in CSGO, the temptations are going to be enormous and human beings are going to act like human beings. 
This is a particularly nefarious cheat, however, this coaching bug, really, because it's something the coaches didn't seem to have control over. It's like being a cyclist and you're training and training and doing everything right. Then on the day of your race, you step out of your trailer to discover someone dropped their steroids on the ground in front of you and there's seemingly no one around. What do you do? The temptation for some has obviously been too great. How do you act when you think no one's watching? The inability inability of people to act with fairness is probably one of the reasons we invented tales of an omnipresent God, so that we could scare dumb and otherwise nasty motherfuckers into doing nice things when no one's around. We spoke about this last week, actually, vis-a-vis your reputation with yourself. As an addendum to this news, there's just been an article released by HLTV that collects another four Brazilian coaches who've admitted to encountering the bug. And also, I should have mentioned the news that Hard Legion have now taken on <laughs> Starix as their coach. Starix came out uh, when the coaching bug was announced and said, yeah, this has been around since 2016. I think that's where the information actually came from in the first place. He also took the opportunity to take a few pot shots at Flusher, saying that Valve had actually known he was cheating the back in the day and said nothing about it because he'd won two majors. Anyway, <laughs> way to make himself relevant again. Uh, Now, there are a lot of things to come out of this. (coughs) Pardon me. Number one, this is a disaster for Heroic, uh, primarily, who didn't use the bug at all during their Cologne run, and for whom Hunden appears to have been a big reason for their success. We're going to talk about Cologne uh, a little bit more later on. But CS is so much mentality-based, and this will be a very demoralizing blow for the players. Then again, it may be impossible to know how much they were aware of Hunden using this info, and if they were, then I guess they made their own beds. How much the players should be held accountable for the actions of their coach is actually an enormous grey area, uh, and it's not really provable without team comms. And a little sidebar, I'm not actually convinced uh, right now by I'm a Pet's contribution to 100 Thieves thus far, and if he gets kicked midway through 2021, I would like to see 100 Thieves. (laughs) That really wasn't worth the build-up. Number two, the other thing we can take from this is the scandal is that it leaves Valve's decision to give lifetime bans to other cheaters and match throwers even further out in the cold. A deterrent that's always seemed extreme now appears positively psychopathic, really, in the light of these lesser bans. We'll talk more about that when we talk about steel. And number three, this calls into question all sorts of other issues uh, with online play like NATO Safix pointed out on his Twitter. He said, would it be possible for HLTV.org to delay the scorebot when there's a tech or attack pause? Looking at the opponent's money when it's paused is standard procedure for a lot of teams and is also cheating. There seems to be very little oversight with these online games. It seems so important that players don't use their phones or have them plugged into their computers and that their mics, uh, mice are free of hacks. Um, and all those sorts of things on LAN. But is this being enforced online? I don't think so. I have no idea, but I don't think so. Um, Are players being tested for drugs? I assume not. There's been rumors swirling of match fixing in NAMDL recently too amongst the Tier 2 scene. And it's really not hard to imagine all sorts of shit going on in this online era that we actually know nothing about. Uh, How many people, for instance, could be speaking on the comms of a team? Who knows if Carrigan doesn't have his whole family in the cans while playing like some sort of uh, quiz show brains trust where he's got his mom on the economy and his dad on the anti-strats or coaching in the room off cams. NBK's dog was coming in and out of his room during a recent OG match. Who's to know whether that dog was stream sniping in the other room and just came in to let NBK know that Complexity were going for the B stack? (laughs) 
an asset to the talent desks of CSGO for so long, Henry G has decided to leave what sounded like the exhausting, demoralizing world of tier one CSGO casting behind. You can read all the gory details in his interview with Richard Lewis, but I imagine you're asking yourself, what a blunder, why has he done that? Well, it's because he has now become the general manager of CSGO for Cloud9 as of today, and has recruited Kassad to help him build a new CS team. This means the entire current team is on the market, which is obviously news in and of itself. Kassad is, of course, the ex-coach of Renegades. And look, I don't know if I was completely convinced that he uh, did amazing things there, but he gets a lot of props from the talent desk always. So obviously, it uh, looks like a good right-hand man for Henry to rebuild this team. These are the boys who were the previous ATK team from South Africa. So I guess they had about nine months to prove themselves and weren't really able to replicate the initial success they had when they were signed. Remember, they popped off at the beginning, and it's been pretty quiet since. We do know they had an incredible synergy as a team, specifically riding high on their flash assists. So perhaps they'll stay together and carve their way back. Speculation is rife as to how Cloud9 begin building this new team. Smuya and Alex are being thrown around as names. They're both British like Henry, but we do know Alex had a massive buyout from Vitality. That might uh, block his chances of crossing the pond, but I guess this shows Jack Etienne might have been watching what Jason Lake has done with some glasses tinged a light shade of verdigris. More likely is that uh, Henry and Cassard are probably going to carve up the best pieces of Triumph from Chaos and make a sort of N.A. to Duckin. Anyway, this is a massive, massive loss to the desk, uh, Henry leaving, and I'll tell you why. Not just because he's a talented caster and he's made some of the greatest moments in Counter-Strike even greater. But there's room for lots of people on a broadcast. There's the cuddly, nerdy nephews like Harry and Hugo. There's everybody's best friend, Machine. There's the eccentric older uncle, Anders, and so on. Well, Henry is one of the people on the broadcast, the very few people on a broadcast that actually seems like he'd be fun to party, that I'd actually want to hang out with and have a beer. There's not many of them, and he's one of them. Sadikus is one too. So that's a shame. There's a bit of a hole there. The cool factor of the CS broadcasts have definitely gone down recently, but he is hoping once Cloud9 are back at tournaments, Henry will be back at our screens in some form of another. I feel a vague sense of an ease now, having reported on the accusation against him, uh, the accusations against him uh, several episodes ago. And it's something to do with something my grandmother once said, which is that the news is simply gossip about people we don't know. Pretty good. Talking about public sporting matches is one thing. Talking about the private lives of the people in those matches is another. And there's a lot of grey in between. I don't regret uh, some of the things I said, but yeah, just a little feeling in my gut. I did come across a poem recently that encapsulated nicely my hesitancy to decide on anyone's guilt or innocence in that instance. In fact, I was researching some 19th century American poets for work, and you guys have some great motherfucking poets. My lord! Lanier had some cracker stuff, Conrad Aiken, Longfellow, Eleanor Wiley. I think we're going to read another one at the end, but for now, here is Joaquin Miller. Joaquin Miller? I've never known how to pronounce that name correctly. This is his poem, Byron. In men whom men condemn as ill, I find so much of goodness still. In men whom men pronounce divine, I find so much of sin and blot. I do not dare to draw a line between the two where God has not. Just when he was bringing a team into relevance, Joshua Nissen, a.k.a. Steele, has jumped ship 
to Valorant. That was certainly unexpected considering he's held out this long. And as we said, his team Chaos are sitting at 19 in the rankings. I think last pod we talked about it. Uh, those guys are above teams such as Mouse Sports North and Ents currently, which has weirdly begun auto-correcting to encephalitis. <laughs> anyway, thinking a little deeper about this, I would imagine Steel came to a crossroads. Chaos looked like they'll actually qualify for the major next year, at which point he'll be subbed out. It's the player's individual form that's been winning praise, not their teamwork, so he's not necessarily the most valuable piece of this roster either. He said in an interview it was only a matter of time, and he's now on the 100 Thieves Valorant team alongside Hiko. His was a redemption story with some enjoyment for me, seeing him do some cool things on Ghost, like when they beat FaZe at I Buy Power Masters. It was inspiring, considering how crippled he'd been by Valve. We know that basing prisons purely around punitive goals is disastrous in the long term for a society, at least when compared to prison systems that focus on rehabilitation, even if there are short-term benefits. I don't blame Valve for thinking short-term back in 2014 when laying the smack down on the iBuyPower players for throwing. Probably they didn't realise CSGO would, six years later, become the highest played game on Steam and the eSport with the bushiest tournament calendar. How someone is supposed to be rehabilitated in CSGO is obviously something that would have to be determined, but really it's not that hard to work out. For instance, if that player can demonstrate, let's say over two years that they've played in a certain percentage of DreamHack or ESL tournaments uh, or qualifiers or tier one or two tournaments, um, shouldn't that be evidence to suggest they're actually serious about uh, contributing to the scene? Maybe there's an interview process at the end of it with a bunch of admins. Why not? All it takes is someone to look at this data, do an interview for half an hour, and a player like Steele gets out on parole and is walking down the beach barefooted as the credits roll. The first time I met Andy Dufresne was on a retake server. He was MG. I was just getting out of silver. Anyway, Marky has replaced Steele on Chaos. Well, with all that said, there's a bit of a wash over ESL1 Cologne this year, and I'm a bit late to the party. But um, you know what? I know there's plenty of you who are dads and work in full-time jobs who didn't manage to collax, c- c- collax, who didn't manage to collax <laughs> ESL1 Cologne this year. I think I was trying to say um, catch and maybe relax and watch. I don't know. Uh, anyway. <laughs> this is for you guys. Let's start with Asia. Tyloo won it with a victory over Vichy 3-1, despite the best efforts from Vichy's Jam Young, who outfragged everyone. This is Tyloo's third title in a row after DreamHack Spring and Summer. And similar to their dominance in the region is Renegades in Oceania. They won Cologne in our region without dropping a map against Chiefs, Order, and then Avant. And incidentally, since writing this podcast, they've also just won Perfect World Oceania, keeping them nicely ahead of Order in the RMR points. I think they've won about six or seven. <laughs> <laughs> like big tournaments here now in a row. I spoke about this with Inz's mum, which you'll hear, but I just want to see that team amongst the pigeons. Throw them into the arena. I want to see them thrown to the Lions, the Mad Lions, or Australis. Any Danish team, really. I wish I'd been able to watch more of these hometown games, but now I'm beginning to understand how the time difference really destroys the opportunity to watch AU games when you're in the Northern Hemisphere. Uh, now, alongside the aforementioned Inns, Dexter continues to impress. He top-fragged by a large margin in the recent Perfect World Finals. 
And on an HLTV confirmed podcast just a few days ago, he mentioned that if he was ever going to jump ship, it'd be to phase or to mouse sports. Seeing as mouse already has an IGL, I think we're going to see Dexter to phase in December 2020. I won't be around to be proven wrong, but if I'm proven right, I will restart the podcast just to gloat. Now, the North American division of Cologne was won by EG, a.k.a. The Evil Geniuses in a nail-biting five-map finale against Liquid. They beat Triumph Liquid for the first time and then Furia to get there and be the victors 2-3. Over in Europe, Heroic won their region in a very convincing 3-0 victory over Vitality. Now, these guys had an amazing run in DreamHack Summer where we really saw them beginning to look like a serious threat. But I did tweet out that the players, and Cadian in particular, were looking hyper-adrenalized to the point where it was interfering with their play. And this is not unlike Azza. And the 100 Thieves in one of their recent uh, EPL matches against Liquid. I did wonder if in the heroic side whether the... All right, someone's mad. (laughs) Uh, I did wonder whether this was a sign of stress or simply hunger and emotions. It turns out to have been the latter because somewhere between that tournament and Cologne... Heroic really got control of that hunger and focused it and harnessed it. They beat G2, Complexity, FaZe, uh, and Fnatic on their run. Other things to take from Europe are that Nip are looking better than they have in a while. They took big out of the tournament early with a 2-1 victory and later beat the New Look Australis 2-0, ending their little honeymoon with Bubski and Esetag. Side note there, Australis have since bounced back in EPL as Glaive has returned with facial hair. If he won four majors before, imagine what he can do now he's gone through puberty. This tournament saw the rankings shift once more with Vitality at number one, Heroic at number two, then Evil Geniuses, Big, G2, Furia, Na'Vi, Liquid, Complexity, and Nip. How Renegades and Tyloo's victories don't at least get them into the top 30 is beyond me, but I guess it comes down to the amount of tier two tournaments running all over the time, all over the running all over at the time, running all the time <laughs> over in Europe. Now, the old contact team, uh, now with Mo and called K23, they're at 29 Actually, you know what? I missed. I think their coach has also been suspended uh, for the coaching bug. Anyway, anyway, they're at 29, and I think Renegades would make mincemeat out of them right now. So I think we just have to shut our eyes and wait for 2021. Now, other news I don't really have the energy to talk about is that Bimus is now on Mouse Sports for Woxic, and Carrigan's moved to Main Orp. Tommy and Forsaken, who not the he's not the Forsaken who uh, <laughs> pushed away an admin's hand quite famously on LAN. That is actually Excret's little bro. They've joined Paper Rex. I think it's in Singapore. And it's actually run by Nick, who also runs CSGO to Asia. Um, anyway, there's a lot more news there. Sigh. Let's have a chat with Annette Potter, a.k.a. Inz's mum. We live in a little village of 500 people. There's a big... Has, have you been there a long time? Uh, 27 years. We have terrible internet. How have, you, how have you given birth to an incredible CSGO player as a son? Lots of arguments with Telstra. <laughs> he is crushing it he is at the moment yeah but he's been crushing it f- for a while i'm very humble i'm not gonna spruik <laughs> but yeah he's, he's okay. going really well ever since um he's moved into the gaming house has that made a big difference to his game yeah different computer and awesome internet and mm-hmm. i think yeah team spirit probably as well yeah yeah he's he is crushing it. Very proud. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a 1.33 rating. And when he came into Renegades, I think 
some people were thinking, you know, can he keep this sort of rating up? He had big shoes to fill. I think he went in when Urkas left. Mm-hmm. I know a few people thinking he, he wouldn't be able to do as well as Urkas. But, yeah, it's, they're, they're playing really well together. It's such a shame that they haven't been able to test this lineup properly against international teams. Yeah, it's um, sort of bad timing, I suppose. But anyway, Josh was playing since he was about nine, apparently. You didn't <laughs> know about didn't it? Know. No, it's just <laughs> like on the computer all the time. Get off that computer, we'll cut the cord. You need to do your homework, blah, blah, blah. There's, that was the unsupportive years. <laughs> when you don't know what they're doing and then you go, you know, pause that game and come and have dinner, you know. We can't, Mum. Why not? But it was, I think he was 16 and a bit when he joined Corviday. Mm-hmm. And, like, we, we were blown away. Like, how do people do this? Like, one day he came out to us and he said, I've got to go to Sydney. I said, oh, do you think you could ask us? May I go to Sydney? <laughs> and what do you have to go for? And then it all come out, like, we're in this, in this team and we've got a competition and blah, blah. And we're like, wow, is it really that serious? Mm. Um, so, yeah, then I started to research. I <laughs> thought, I've got to know a bit more about this. Anyway, we wouldn't let him go to Sydney on his own. We said, we're coming. And he goes, oh, do you have to? I said, yeah. <laughs> you can do what you want. You stay with the team or whatever, but we'll just go down and go to the tournament. So I think that was the CGPL. I can't remember what season it was. It was 2016, mm-hmm. I think, mm-hmm. at Technology Park. And we went and had a bit of a sticky beak and blew us away got all these people watching these people play computers and you got commentators and you got um production staff it was just like wow from that day forward i just got involved in it i love it and then i thought oh i might try this game out and i asked the kids what how do i how do i play this game and they said well you've got to download steam and blah 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 and so i started having a bit of a go at it and then you understand it a bit more and you so I can understand what's happening when I'm watching mm. and I do like shooting games do you I've always been a- <laughs> yeah Colleen said yeah. you're trying Valorant now too oh I had a bit of a go I don't really like it yes <laughs> yes <laughs> <laughs> stay loyal too many powers and stuff in Valorant that you've got to mm. I don't think my mum even still knows what CSGO is and this is my 100th episode so you're doing well. <laughs> yeah, I just play casual though. I've had a couple of competitive games, but I just play casual. No one wants to play with me. Josh won't play with me. What? He's Josh? He's probably scared I'll kill him. Oh, yeah, that, he wouldn't live that down. <laughs> Josh, if you're listening, play with your mother. Come on. <laughs> Dude, if my mum played CSGO, I would be queuing with her on the daily reg. <laughs> I played with my other son. Oh a yeah, of times. Yeah. Okay. James, yeah. Tell me, James, is he older? Yes. Did he get Josh into CS:GO? I think so. Yes. Classic. James used to play COD a fair bit as well. Mm-hmm. I think he played for TM at one stage. So I find out. I never knew all this until later. <laughs> uh, so. He had the opportunity to go to a few lands as well, but he just didn't tell us. Sneaky. Sneaky biggie like. 
Yeah. <laughs> Do you ever deal with the toxicity online? Do you ever have a, a casual game where someone's just just being horrific? Uh, I don't talk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no one knows I'm a female. Mm-hmm. Or how old I am, but yeah, you you do hear some horrendous stuff. Casuals are probably not too bad, but when I've played competitive, it's always been with people I know. So, oh, you've uh, been cushioned. Yes, cocooned. Yeah, but you do hear some horrible things said, and and the funny thing is, like a lot of it's um, even in Twitch chat, which is ridiculous these days. It's just a nightmare. Uh, they aim things at the person's mother. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, yeah. I'm okay. not even going to, you know, you know what I mean. Yeah. Like I'm I'm going to such and such, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And I'm thinking, why is it always the mother? Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? It's a, it's a, it's a, I guess it's a traditional point of vulnerability or, or masculine pride. Mm. Yeah. Probably. But I, I haven't copped too much. I've copped a bit on Twitter. I'd tweet something and they'd just be straight on it and a bit abusive and whatever and um but that's all good that's that's their issue not my issue are you watching cologne right now other than the renegades i keep an eye on the scores and sometimes i um i'll go in and watch a couple of rounds like if order a plane of art or chiefs and of art and my husband goes what are you watching i said oh just a game is josh playing i said no he said well what are you watching it for i said i don't know <laughs> Tell him you're keeping up with the meta. And I do – I like to follow um, Josh's old teammates, sort of like Ali and – like I even watch if Tiger, like Urkast team, are playing at a reasonable hour. I'll go in and watch that as well. Aww. So I keep up with Erky. Watch 100 Thieves and um, I've been keeping a bit of an eye on Gen G because mm-hmm. of Elma Putty being the coach. Oh yeah, he, of course. He, yeah, he coached order. So mm. I wanted to know what um, you thought of the broadcasts. The Australian ones you're talking about. Oh, Australian or international? Um, yeah, I like all the Australian ones. We got Elfish Guy and Mac and Pilly and Krath. I think Mac's underrated. I think some of the things that he's done should be bigger in the community. Actually, Mac's awesome. Oh, and then you've got Conky. I have a special relationship with Conky. Would you like me to tell you the story? Yeah. Back in, and I can't remember what year it was, I'm sorry. I think it was 17, 2017. Josh was playing with the Chiefs and they went to Singapore to play and there was no um, stream. I went on Twitter and I said, um, is there no stream for this game in Singapore? It's a shame, blah, blah, blah. I don't know what I said and someone must have cottoned on to the, the tweet and next minute there's, um, I think it's, I think his name's Raycos. He's a friend of Conky's. He tweeted Conky and said, you need to get on this stream for this game. Apparently Conky was down the street doing his shopping or something. <laughs> and then <laughs> he got home and then he, he was going to stream it and then he had internet issues and he was in a rush and I'm going, oh, hurry up, hurry up. I didn't know Conky at all. And um, there was a few other people got involved in the tweet for the Go TV. I think there was um, Tim Brainstorm and Chrissy Average and someone else. They were all trying to help him get the Go TV address. Anyway, eventually he streamed it. Yeah, Conky and I sort of became friends from there. I was just so emotional. I was, you know, that... 
the community would would do that. Just it felt like it was just for me, but it wasn't just for me. It was so other people could watch the game as well. Yeah, that was awesome. The community are just I sort of feel like they're my little other family as well. They're just so accepting of an old lady getting into the scene type of thing. Yeah. What a lovely lady. So now to the future of this podcast. Well, look, last time I took a break, I said something needed to change and nothing changed because I'm lazy. (laughs) This is the situation. Basically, I still love CSGO and the pro scene as much as I did when I started this in mid-2017. I don't feel the need to shout into the void because the void doesn't exist like it used to. There's a lot more outlets covering CSGO Pardon me, there are more podcasts, there's more people discussing it, there is more content to consume than ever. None of this actually makes me feel like I don't have something to say. The problem is, it's 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 a it's taken me a while to realize it actually, but it's 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 a fatigue basically from the widening gap between a fictional persona and a real one. So if you think about it like this, when you create an online persona, it's like sending out a little boat on a string. Uh, You all know it because you do it too, even just on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or WhatsApp. The further removed from your real persona, the more exhausting and demoralizing it actually becomes to keep that boat steady over time. Now, why is this? I think it has something to do with our innate desire to control who knows what about us. So when we lived in tribes and villages, it was realistic to negotiate a relationship with everyone who knew us because that might have only been, you know, 200 people. And if they knew us, they knew us. They didn't know our handle or our at name or the person we presented in a bunch of photographs (laughs) um, with skin filters or perfectly manicured, you know, fingernails, right? So this made things pretty simple back in the day. And this is a good reason why fame is a double-edged sword, Because you don't have control over who knows what about you in any sort of way. I was in a TV show several years ago and I experienced a level of fame that wasn't huge, but it was enough that people occasionally came up to me in the street. And every time they did, whether they called me by my character name or my real name, I experienced a small measure of stress. Because I didn't know them and they didn't really know me. And I also had no way of knowing what sort of impression I'd made on them because I wasn't there with them when they got to know me. This feels, I mean, this might sound shallow, but I actually think it's like in all of us. And you can feel this yourself once again with your social media. Unless you're supremely detached, every single engagement you make is thick with the weight of potential misunderstanding. There was a tweet exchange the other day in the CSGO world that really made me think, I forget what the bloody exchange was. Someone tweeted out something in response to something else, Sponge or Ryan at Rush B or Oscar or Machine or something. Um, and someone said, I think it was Oscar maybe complaining about Valve abandoning the game. Anyway, someone said, mate, this is the wrong take. You need to read the room. Now, the fallacious thinking of that notion is staggering. What room does Twitter reside in? Who has demarcated the walls of that room? Everyone's having a conversation in a room of different dimensions and occupants, and there's simply no way to know the particulars of anyone else's room. The precariousness of conversations via social media is staggering when you think about it because almost none of the safety of regular face-to-face conversation exists. Now, if you put that into a form like a podcast where it's majorly one way and slap complete anonymity on that, 
You kind of see what I'm talking about, right? I'm a large seafaring ship, and this podcast is a dinghy so far out to sea on such choppy waters that I can barely see it. Now, on a clear day, that's totally fine. But when the weather's bad, you feel like you want to bring your dinghy aboard to be safe. Otherwise, you're going to lose it. The rope's going to snap or fray or you know, water's going to fill up the dinghy, right? So hence one day, if I'm feeling good about myself, I love the thought of doing this podcast, but on another, when I'm in a storm, I just wish my dinghies were all safely stowed on deck. So what is the point of this long-winded analogy? What I'm trying to say is if the podcast is ever going to continue or come back, I realize I need to align my real self with it. And that means a name and a face reveal. That way, at least the rope is shortened and I've got a much firmer hold on the dinghy. And I don't know if I'm ready for that yet because it also comes with a lot of other hassles. Think about it this way. There's a lot of personal confrontations you can avoid by being anonymous. Let's think about personal confrontations as seagulls. Seagulls that swoop and dive and attack, right? (laughs) Like Australian seagulls. Now, if my boat's a long way out, the seagulls aren't bothering the real me. They're swooping and diving around this dinghy that's way out. If the dinghy's on my deck, they're going to be flying around my ship. Now, this is not just about me, right? This is also about you and the truth you are living in your life. Because every time you act in a way that's not aligned with who you are or who you want to be, you send out a little boat on a rope. And the longer you disown that lie you told or the longer you pretend to be someone you're not or continue doing something you hate, the longer those ropes get. And the longer those ropes get, the more uncertainty in your life. And the more uncertainty in your life, the more paralyzed you get. Because if you move too fast, if you turn the engines up too fast, you might actually snap one of the ropes. And so eventually you slow down to a stop. And that's how we wake up one day and suddenly feel completely demotivated. That and (laughs) COVID-19. So my message is to you, uh, whether or not it's my final one, is if you identify with what I've said, have a think about what dinghies you've got bobbing along out there on the horizon, tied to you only by a rope, a rope that's becoming slippery with slime and crusty with barnacles and frayed where it's rubbed on the gunwale during the storms you've been weathering. And think about what might happen if you were to haul that boat in, how hard it might be and how much pulling it would take and how you might have to let go of the wheel of your ship for a bit while you do it. And that might take you off course. But once you've pulled that boat in and got it safely on deck, how secure you'll feel once you take that wheel again and turn back into the wind, now aligned and whole and integrated. I can't help myself now. The door is closing very fast on this podcast and I can't let up the opportunity to read another poem. This one is fitting because it's about endings. It's by Edwin Arlington Robinson. It's called The Dark Hills. Dark hills at evening in the west where sunset hovers like a sound of golden horns that sang to rest. Old bones of warriors underground. Far now from all the bannered ways where flash the legions of the sun, you fade, as if the last of days were fading and all wars were done. Now, if I've learned one thing since the advent of social media, it's that there's nothing more boring than other people's gratitude. But if you want to listen to the end, you're going to have to suck up a little appreciation uh, with a straw, surprisingly. So thanks to everyone who's sent me letters and emails and messages of support and feedback and love for the last couple of years. 
They were very heartfelt. They meant a lot to me, and you've actually been a big help to my mental health. We've certainly had some ups and downs together, and I've really appreciated your feedback and words. Don't feel like because this podcast has ended, you can't still reach out on the old Twitter or the email, or the Discord, or whatever other forms of uh, communication that have been open this time. Now, thanks to those who've helped me as well, mostly with the news, but with other things as well. Brax, Arctic, Burko, Josh Cruzado, Gaby G, Chris Flatho, James Driver, Mr. Bryce, B Twice, a.k.a. Daddy, Dust, DK, and everyone else who agreed to be interviewed. Ryan at Rush B, CSGO to Asia, and Nick, CDK, Unmesh Data, Trace of Base, especially for setting up the Discord, and all the people who've been listening since day one, especially my friends who have no interest in CSGO go but I've listened nonetheless and family uh, I'm sure I've missed out some but um, what can you do as for the winner of the Guardian hoodie well I asked the question why is Guardian the goat I had four responses sitting on my Twitter for a week until Guardian retweeted it today those four responses were great as were the following ones um, but I think it's only fair to reward the OGs so I'm going to give away four hoodies to those first four responses why not because I'm just going to spend the money on Uber Eats anyway. So uh, the four people who responded first, Brax, Gabriel, Michael, Schatz, and Johnny Cash, DM me a name and address, whether you want black or white and small, medium, large, extra large, or extra, extra large. Uh, We're going to have to get them from Europe, and I assume you're all in the US, so it might take a while to work out how we get them to you, but rest assured, we will work it out. And now, as is tradition, let's hear a new track from Beaufort. Beaufort will be doing the intro music on this podcast for quite some time. Actually, since the beginning. <laughs> and this is called Gonna Live. And it's perfect, because that's what I'm off to do. So until next time we speak, dear friends, stop being toxic in MM. Exercise. Read some fiction. Talk to your family. Stop simping on thoughts you're never going to meet. Stay away from drugs and enjoy the game. Enjoy the game.